What's going on, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Top Bins Talk. I am your host, as always, Marcin Kazmarski, here with my co-host, Tim Kamaraj. Tim, say what's up to everybody. Hey, everybody. Tim Kamaraj here, at FootyKooji on Twitter, as always. And today we have a little bit of a special guest coming up, uh, joining us today for our episode. Um, You may know him from all the numerous Twitter posts that I have retweeted and the Instagram stories with his gear. Uh, but is of course it is Ibu and Mr. LBF from LBF. Uh, say what's up to everybody. So what's up, guys? How are you guys doing? Um, Boone, aka Mr. LBF at Mr. LBF on Instagram, Twitter, all that fun stuff at, at LB Football. How you guys doing? Yeah. Doing well. Um, obviously, everybody that follows our page obviously knows uh, we have a little bit of a soft spot for you and the, and the brand. So I'm always pumped to chat with you. Uh, but today we're going to do a little bit of a different epi. Like last time when we had you on, we talked mostly about LPF, the brand, just to kind of, you know, introduce everybody to the to the company you, you had. Uh, today we're going to talk mostly about football. We're going to try to skip uh, most of the LBF stuff till the end. And we're going to have um, you kind of get some of your hot takes in with me and Tim <laughs> about some football takes. Um, <laughs> but today we're going to start off right out of the gate. And we're going to talk about one of uh, uh, your team's rivals, and that's Chelsea. So, Tim, you want to start us off with the Chelsea topic? Yeah, absolutely. So, <clears throat> you know, it's uh, we keep a PG podcast here, but uh, is blowing cheeks is is that offensive? Because that's just slang. Like that's not. It's very subjective. But that's what they're doing right now. Like they're they're not in a good way right now. They just continue to drop points. They continue to not be the team that they should be after they spent so much money. I mean, how much money, what was it, 70 mil for Kai? He hasn't settled into the side. Uh, you look at Timo. I believe Timo is around 60, 62, something around there. Uh, 65 mil, somewhere. Uh, point being here is you picked up all these signings, and the idea was that at the very least, Chelsea were going to be a side that were always going to score, and that maybe they were going to be a little suspect defensively. But the fact of the matter is that they've struggled across the board. And there's big question marks when it comes to Frank Lampard. He's always trending, and it doesn't seem to be for the right reasons anymore. Not because he's making those late runs into the box and popping them in, but now because he is just seeming to struggle tactically against some of the other managers in the EPL. Of course, uh, the most recent match that they played they lost against Manchester City, and that was a 3-1 defeat. And, uh, you know, when you're on the back burner, the last person that you want to be up against is Pep Guardiola and his big football brain. Uh, so why don't we open the discussion? What do you guys think is going to be going on with Chelsea? Do we think Frank's going to be leaving anytime soon? We think they're going to turn it around. Let's start with our esteemed guest, Iman. So go ahead and give us your take on it. And try to be nice, because we know you're an Arsenal fan. <laughs> Uh, I mean, well, I'm an Arsenal fan, but like I'm also like a, a football nut, right? So um, I actually was just having this conversation with another Chelsea fan earlier today. And I think Chelsea has quite a few issues. I mean, one is they're realizing that spending a lot of money is not an, like an automatic guarantee for success, right? Especially in this league where all the teams around them, even the lower you know, tier t- teams have gotten better, right? Tactically smarter. Um, they know how to play against bigger teams. 
Um, but then even more important, I think you mentioned Frank Lampard. I think the issue is that uh, Chelsea's facing is what a lot of other clubs are going to face is there just aren't that many top level managers available right now. Right. And this idea of like getting an ex player who, you know, because of he's a, he's a Chelsea legend. Right. So I think for that reason, that appointment is very nostalgic and very sort of uh, sentimental for people. Right. And that only lasts for so long. Right. After a while, like pe- fans are going to turn on you. They want results. Right. And I think the issue with Frank Lampard is he's inexperienced. Right. Um, he's he, well, he was at Derby for one year and then now he's managing Chelsea, one of the biggest clubs in the world. Not only are they one of the biggest clubs in the world, they're notorious for like firing managers for like the smallest things. Right. Like you finish second. Thank you very much. Get, the, you know, get out. of here, You know, <laughs> yeah. what I mean? so he's I, I think people's patience is going to wear thin. And the, the question then becomes if they fire Frank Lampard, one, what is what happens to his managerial career? But two. Who do they bring in? Like, what top-level manager is available right now is going to want to come to a team like Chelsea, knowing that they're not going to have the time to really get the team that they want, get them playing, you know, how they want them to play. So I think it's going to take a while for Chelsea to really get out of this this space. Not they're they're going to get points for sure, right? But it's just more so like them being like you know challenging for the title. I think it's a few seasons away because you know all the players are invested in. It's going to take those guys time to really, you know, adapt to the EPL. I think people go, oh, you, well, you, you cost 70 million. You don't have, you don't need, you don't get time to adapt anymore. Like fans are impatient. They want results now. And we know they're bored and we know their owner is also very like, I want results now. Right. So I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on Frank. And I don't think he has the experience to get through it. You know, like he's, he's managed a smaller club before, but like Chelsea's a whole different beast, right? Like it's more than just training players. It's like. It's more than that, you know? Yeah. So well said. Marson, let me throw this, let me throw these your way. Kai Havertz, 70 mil. Jorginho, albeit he didn't get signed by Frank, but still in that midfield. Jorginho, 50 mil. Hakim Zayek, 40 mil. Mason Mount, to be fair, Academy product, zero. Angola Kante, 32 mil. Kovacic, up to 44.8 mil bringing it up to a whopping 236.8 million euros that Chelsea has spent in the midfield alone. How can you justify not getting results? It can't all be on Frank, right? Yeah, I mean, it can't be all on Frank, but I think there's like like kind of like even said, like there's a lot of issues that go on. One, I think it's the I think Chelsea overspent in terms of attacking midfielders. You have so many different options in terms of getting the right lineup for Frank. I think he has too many options, if that makes sense. Um, you, I mean, like like you kind of mentioned some of those names. You have Mason Mount, you have Kai Havertz, you have Timo Werner, you have Tammy Abraham, you have Kovacic, you have Pulisic, you have Jorginho, Giroud, Hudson-Odoi. Like, there's so many names that can get plugged into this attacking lineup for this team. Like, who do you go with? Like, how do you, how do you, and not that's not even counting Ziyech, um, so you have so many different names, and I feel like that's the first issue. One, I don't think Frank has an idea of who he has uh, for a week-to-week in lineup. And then coupled with the whole Kepa issue and then the team kind of public, publicly being like, hey, we need a new goal- goalkeeper, bring in Mendy. And then the team, I feel like, knew that the issue was going to be the defense and then tried to shore that up by signing somebody like Thiago Silva. Granted, he's 36, still a, a high-level player, but he's 36 and coming from Ligun and Serie A. Uh, in his past, and I feel like the Prem is just a different beast. It's a lot pacier, it's a lot more physical, to be fair, than the other two leagues. 
So your anchor is a 36-year-old in defense that's never done it in the Premier League. You have too many attacking options to the point where you have no idea and who's going to be playing week in and week out. They can't gel and kind of build up that chemistry. And it's it's and it was just overspent money in the attack that just, like I said, hasn't gelled together. You have Kai and Werner who are the big imports, and they just haven't hit it off just because it's it's the EPL. And before at their at their at their former clubs, they were really um, more like the focal points of the attack. Everything ran through Kai. Everything ran through Werner when it came to their respective clubs. And now they kind of have to share the ball. And I feel like it's all those things have kind of combined and done like this little like whirlwind of issues that have just kind of spiraled away. So I don't think it's it's just the midfield. Yes, they've spent a ton of money on it. Uh, but I feel like it's the inconsistencies in the lineup and then all these little like side issues that Frank is trying to deal with that have kind of dropped Chelsea down. Because at the beginning of the season, they were, they were playing very well for the first, I'd say, what, like six weeks. Um, but they've really tailed off um, quickly. And well, we'll we're going to see kind of like how I said before, he's, he's a brand new manager. And it's, does he have the ability and the experience to turn around and really manage all these names? So we'll, we're going to see for the rest of the season. Yeah, so here's my take on it. And nobody asked for my take on it, but I'm going to give it anyway. Uh, so my take on the situation is specifically a big fat I told you so to Marson because when, yeah, okay, roll your eyes. Nobody can see it because this is an audio recording and we're going to uh, ditch the video so nobody's going to see it. But uh, the fact is that when Kai Havertz was playing at Bayern Leverkusen, we had a conversation where you said the free roaming 10 role exists as long as you're good enough of a player. Right, like a manager will make room for you in that. And the fact of the matter is, Chelsea's lo- losses, any of the, you know, any of the opportunities that they had to win that have been squandered, have been sacrificed by the fact that there is not a consistent system that these guys can play in. Pep Guardiola's side is filled. I'm not even. I don't even like Manchester City, and I'll tell you that his team is very well drilled and very well organized to the point where if you watch a lot of the highlights of their goals. Their goals look very similar to another, and it's not down to the fact that they're boring and they do the same thing. It's literally that they're so good at moving you out of position and then playing the passes they need to, play it to the six, who plays it to the nine, back to the eight, and then the wingers into space. The way that they move that ball around is so indicative of communication and key, and I'll give it to you that these guys are all trying to settle in at the same time, and that's really not conducive to forming a play style, but... Again, driving it down is if you're Kai Havertz, it doesn't matter how good and how talented you are. It doesn't matter who you put in that situation. They're not going to generate the goals unless they have a concrete system that they can spring off of into being a, a, a playmaker, right? So that, and again, that's my take on the situation. I think that's why they've been struggling is fair point to you where you said, look, he's got all these options, but if there's that many options, he's got a... <laughs> He's got to sit the locker room down and go, this is the formation we're playing. This is how I expect you to do it, right? And if you can do it, great. And if you can't do it, then, you know, you, you know, at least offensively, you can't be on the team right now. You know, you can't be in the starting 11. Um, and Ebon might have something to say to me about this, but uh, I'm going to leave it to him if he does or doesn't right now. <laughs> yeah. so, I mean, I, so to your point, you make a great point. So my question is, how much of that rests on Frank Lampard in terms of like, his lack of experience, right? Because I think, you know, obviously being an Arsenal fan, I want to bring him into it, but like 
Arsenal's in a similar situation with Arteta, right? You have an inexperienced manager, but at the very least, we can see that, okay, he has a way he's trying to get Arsenal to play. He just doesn't have all the pieces that can play that way successfully. And the way for, like, you watch Man City play, I love watching them play because you just know exactly what's going to happen. They can swap Sterling out, they can swap, you know, um, Bernardo Silva, Riyad Mahrez. The outcome is still the same because all the players are technically capable of executing on one particular playing style. Right, Chelsea doesn't have that right now. They have the talent for sure in abundance. It's just the playing style is not there. You know, you know, you swap out Tammy Abraham for Giroud, two very different strikers who play two very different ways. Right. And I think when you don't have that on a consistent basis, it becomes hard to really like build on that um, on that system. So, yeah, I think it's down to Frank. Most of it is down to Frank's inexperience as a manager. You know what? You brought up Tammy Abraham and if I had Tammy Abraham as a starting forward in my club, and I don't like, I don't care who hears me say this. If I had Tammy Abraham as a starting forward in my club, I'm not signing Timo Werner because I think Tammy Abraham has all the skills to be a top forward in any league that he wants to play in. And I think all that's missing is for him to be given an opportunity and to keep taking it. And you saw him last year leading the line at Chelsea, and he looked so good while he was doing it. And then they went out and they spent crazy amounts of money and how like and i have no problem saying that i laugh every time that he comes on and he saves the day for them because it's like yo you didn't have to spend 60 million euros on my replacement when i'm in my prime and i'm like ready to go like at any point so crazy to me like the, the money and trying to sell those jerseys is nuts to me how you could do that to a local ad <laughs> Yeah, Tam, Tammy's started eight games, got six goals in those eight games and an assist. So it just goes to show that I don't think he was the issue with the uh, the starting 11 last year. So t- to be fair, I don't think Werner was the, the proper signing as his replacement either. But No shot. And yeah. you know what? Mason Mount isn't that good, so whatever. <laughs> Damn, hot takes for days. Hot takes. He's a center forward attacking that every time you put him in a midfield three, he gets bodied in the midfield and you you're down a man. So that's on Frank too. So hot takes everywhere. <laughs> All right. let's, let's change up the conversation a little bit. And I'm going to have you uh, talk a little bit about Roma. How do you think Roma are doing right now? Okay. So everybody was panicking at the beginning of the season for Roma because we really didn't bring in, you know, like any top talent, it was a lot of paying fees for players that we had on loan last year. And it was a lot of cementing what was already going on. I mean, a lot of this summer was based around bringing Chris Smalling in for Manchester United. And that was like the saga of the summer. And so, of course, now, you know, we're essentially halfway into a season and Roma are in third place right now, you know, pushing for a UCL spot, albeit. Napoli have a game in hand. I believe Juve has have two games in hand, and they're right behind them at fourth and fifth, respectively, right now. Um, but the point that I'm making here is that, you know, we, we had in the notes Roma's unlikely good domestic form because everybody signed all these crazy players in the summer, and we didn't really seem like we were doing a lot. But I'm just going to draw a quick point to what the three of us were saying five minutes ago which was that sometimes chemistry outweighs talent in the way that there might not have been a lot of new blood that was brought into the club, but the guys that were there last season were all gelling towards the end of the season. They got that rare opportunity where instead of being moved around for a couple pieces and bringing in a bunch of new players, you know, 
maybe one or two new guys were brought in that were meant to be starting 11 players. And after that, it was all the same guys from last season, building chemistry and getting better together. Uh, they have the youngest defensive core that I've seen at the club in forever, you know, and so just a lot to be hopeful for. And, uh, you know, Fonseca uh, had a, a lot of flack that he caught last year, but he has this club playing in a really defined style that is just enjoyable to watch. So unlikely question mark, yeah, to the naked eye, but um, also a good look all around for us. So happy to be a Roma supporter right now. And, you know, we're killing it. We're actually really weird statistic for Roma that I've never heard this stat before, but somebody came up with it, is uh, we lead in the top five leagues. Roma has the highest quality chances produced per game. So I don't know how you quantify that. Um, I don't know if that just means that, like, instead of a half chance, it's a full chance that they're making. But apparently they're doing a good job. So I'm excited and I can't wait to see um, us go. And hopefully in January, we don't sell like three key players like we make a habit of doing. (laughs) So we'll see what happens. Um, But, you know, anybody else want to take on Roma? Anybody else want to, you know, aside from the fact that they might be going with New Balance next year? Uh, for kits. <laughs> oh, that's is that is that confirmed? That it might. It's very heavily linked that we are going with New Balance. Uh, Nike contract is running out at the end of the season, um, but there's also a small rumor that they might just be, which is really interesting. They might be just self-branding their kits, so they might literally be uh, just manufacturing their own kits for a year and then getting a better deal next the following year. Um, but very. <laughs> Very up in the air, but New Balance is the lead dog right now in, in the race. In the race, that's interesting. Do they have any New Balance um, uh, wallets on the club right now? Was it? Do they have any, do they have any New Balance like players? Like, oh, um, no, I don't think so. I think mostly everybody's either Nike or Adidas at the club. Yeah. But I wouldn't be shocked if that's how New Balance gets in. They pick up a team to sponsor and then they say hey while you're wearing our kits why don't you try our boots out and to be fair to them they make some pretty good boots so you know wouldn't be shocked to see some guys making switches <laughs> yeah it's kind of with liverpool um i remember i mean they're going to nike now but when they were like they had like money was wearing new balance for a while too um yeah i think it's dope i think it's dope that new balance is getting more involved in the game uh i think that the big dogs need more competition i don't think puma's really really pushing anybody to, you know, step their game up, but. Yeah, I just hope they're really great kids. That's the only, that's my only qualifying request for my club is just make them cool. You have all the history in the world to base some like inspiration off of for some cool kids. Just make it happen. Uh, but Marcin, what, do you, what are you thinking? Uh, I mean, I'm excited to actually watch a little bit more Roma football in the second half of the season. Um, they are, like you said, they're in, they're in the Champions League spots. It's it's just a matter of uh, can they keep up the pace and you know, like you said, quality chances created tops in Europe. So can they keep that up and keep banging goals in and compete for that top those those top four spots? Because I mean, l- let's look at it. Like you have the coach who's who's had kind of his influence in the in the team for a couple of years now. So the the players should know what the coach expects from them. They should have that kind of like you know like baseline. Like hey, this is how we're expected to play. This is how he wants us to play. And, you know, maybe this is just a good run of form and the players have finally kind of figured out, like, hey, like, we got this. We understand how we're supposed to play and, like, let's let's translate it to results in the field. So 
Uh, I think, like like you said, the club's going in the right direction. Just depends on getting a couple more pieces in to kind of supplement the squad. You know, bring a little bit more depth in, uh, and not sell anybody key in, in January, like you said. So that's always key. Fingers crossed. Fingers. <laughs> All right, but I would like to talk about Juve for a hot second, though, since you got your little moment in the sun with Roma. And honestly, like, if you look at, like, kind of all the things that we've talked about so far today, we talked about Frank Lampard and his inexperience and all these kind of things, and I feel like Juve are in the same kind of boat, you know? Like, they brought in Andrea Pirlo, who kind of, under the same circumstances, like, you know, Juventini kind of look at him as, like, an icon of the sport, an icon of the team. He was... Really one of the guys that like spearheaded that whole revolution of, of Juve winning these consecutive titles. And he had, contrary to Frank, he had no experience in the role. Literally, he was the, uh, what was it, under-21 coach for a week. And then he got promoted right to the first team coach. So the guy's got less than a week of professional managerial experience. And he got kind of tossed into this role. And, you know, like, so far when I've watched the team play, like, I understand the formation changes and how he wants his tactics to go. But I feel like the team is still like so heavily ran through Cristiano Ronaldo. And obviously it should be the guys still playing like one of the best players of all time at 36 almost. But they're, they're so focused on running the ball fully through him that I feel like the buildup and the other segments of the actual game kind of take a little bit of a hit. Like the buildup is just so slow and then they just kind of rely on Ronaldo to do some kind of magic and then just kind of bail them out. Just because every single time, I, I don't know if you have, either of you have caught on UV games recently, but it's like the the buildup of how the team builds up their attacking play is just so slow. Like over the weekend, I watched Bayern Munich play and uh, against Mainz. They won 5-2 with five goals in the second half. It was ridiculous to watch, by the way. But you just saw like every single pass had like a purpose. It was it was zippy. The ball was moving around the pitch really quickly. It was 1-2, one, 1-2, two, one, two, and then moving forward. It was It was super quick and nice to watch. And then you watch Juve, and it's like four minutes of like back passes between the defenders. It might go to a midfielder, and then one of them loses it or just tries to chuck up a cross for Ronaldo to do his thing. And it's like, I get what like what Pirlo is trying to do with like the two little formation changes, like playing the three-five-two and then switching it to a four-four-two. Like I get it, but I feel like the team is just so over reliant still on Ronaldo's magic. And granted, you have a couple guys that are playing really well, like like Morata, like Quadrado, and like Danilo, for example. But, like, half the team is just struggling. Like, Dybala hasn't been great. Like, the midfield still, I think, is is an issue. Bonucci has regressed, I think, especially over the last six weeks. And I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of hoping for some kind of move in, in January to kind of, like, spark up the, the team again. I mean, the, the win they had against Udinese over the weekend, 4-1, was a, a solid display all around. And I was pretty happy with it. But I kind of need to see that consistency, which is kind of one of the things I was really – harping on Maurizio Sarri last year was there was no consistency in the play to week in, week out. And now I'm seeing the same thing with Pirlo. And it's like kind of like you mentioned with Frank, like what's his leash? You know, is he going to be out the block soon? And I'm kind of thinking like, well, if Pirlo just keeps getting this like win-loss, draw-draw, win-win kind of thing going, then he may be sooner or later on the outs too. So um, any of your guys have any thoughts on, on Juve so far moving forward? So to your point, Marcin, I think any team that has Ronaldo at this point in his career, it's kind of like a gift and a curse, right? You have, like you said, one of the greatest players that's ever played the game, right? So it's natural that you're going to want to run the play through him because 
you know he can always come up with a magical moment, right? The problem with that is like you're not really building for the future, right? And I think because Pirlo is such an inexperienced coach, that's like the easiest. It's like low hanging fruit. Like, well, you know, we run the ball through Ronaldo because we know we're gonna he's gonna get get us results just because of his like sheer like talent, experience, and also like will. Like he's just like he's just a winner, right? But then the problem is that it's like you're not really building for long term. Like you don't. What happens when Ronaldo retires or like leaves Juve in a couple of seasons? Like then, then what do you do, right? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think um, I'd like to have a, a larger conversation about like a lot of big clubs like Juve, Chelsea, Arsenal, Man United, like having ex professional ex players, you know, I guess legends to a certain degree from their clubs become managers and like with no experience. Like what what does that look like long term? Because we know most managers get fired within eleven months, right? You get like a year a season if you're lucky, right, to get the team playing how you want. Well, what happens when you start at the biggest club, with some of the biggest clubs in the world, and you flop? Where do you go next? Right? If Frank, lose, you know, gets fired at Chelsea, he's not going to go to another big club. Same with Arteta, no. with Pirlo, like, but there's only so many top-level managers, right? And they're all getting older, right? They're all, like, starting to think, okay, like, you're not going to get Ancelotti to come to your club when he knows, okay, in 11 months, I might get fired. He's going to go to Everton because he knows, okay, Everton knows that's the best manager we're probably going to get for a long time. So, like, we'll get we'll four years, whatever, because you the know. Casual Everton shade. Not, it's not shade to Everton, but it's like, <laughs> manage Madrid, Chelsea, and you know, like, you know, after he, he's successful there a season or two or three, and then, like, boom, he's, he's moved on to somebody else. Like, at his age, he's not going to want to move to another club with his family and then be there for, like, 10 months or something like that. He's going to be like... Who's gonna fire Ancelotti at Everton? Who's gonna come up to, to Carlo and be like, "You're fired"? Like, who's gonna? You fire Ancelotti. Who's the next manager you bring in? That's gonna be better than him. There's literally no one available right now. You know. So I think I, I, I'm just kind of curious as to how you guys think like this is gonna go in terms of like managers because whenever a football club is not doing well, the first thing you do is fire the manager, right? Because there's that instant impact of a new manager. It's hard to fire, you know, 18 players that are like underperforming. But the idea is the reality is once you fire every single manager. There's gonna, not going to be that many top-level managers available, right? And then the next generation of coaches are not really, like, cutting their teeth, at least, or given a chance. To, like, you know, Henri, right, we saw he what happened with Monaco, flops, and now he's at MLS, right? I think, and I think that that's a good thing. Like, let him, like, develop his, his skill set as a manager with, like, you know, a mediocre club and then slowly, like, work his way up like every other manager in history has done. Right. <laughs> what Montreal Impact is mediocre. What? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they know Monaco for sure. <laughs> Did you guys see that video of Henri like yelling at his players? Yeah. But like, the, what was funny about that to me was like, I'm like, bro, you're trying to tell an average MLS player to play the ball two touch. He can't. He's just technically not capable. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, dude, you're coming from fucking playing like coaching. You know, Cesc Fabregas and players like that in Monaco, and now you expect this fucking twenty-year-old kid from Montreal to like be able to play the ball two touch. It's not gonna happen. Bro. When uh, when he was yelling about the overlapping runs, I was like, <laughs> I was laughing so hard when he was like, he was like, "Why'd you make the overlapping run on the inside?" And he's like, "What?" He's like, "That's not football. Make the overlapping run on the outside." And I was like, you know, "Oh man, that kid's oh head like, was just spinning at the same time." He's yeah. just like, "What was I?" Saying? because i've seen it like i've coached before and like you see guys that are like college players and they're making like 
runs that don't make sense and like turning into traffic thinking they're going to find some like Mesut Ozil solution. Like it's not like that's not like play it easy, play it simple, like and you'll win. Like, oh my God. No, I'm sorry. I don't mean to go up on that tangent, but like, no, but that's that's an interesting point though is like, but Henri has to like know how to manage players at that level and like hopefully like his next job will be a little bit like more prestigious at a bigger club and like slowly work his way up to like whatever the top club is but like right now huh back to monaco (laughs) (laughs) he's gonna go to like oh every mls club but no like i think it's like arteta getting the arsenal job to me is premature right lampard getting a chelsea job is premature Pirlo getting the uva job is premature you know what I mean? It's like, let these guys go somewhere else, really cut their teeth, like learn how to manage players. Because now you like, besides training the players, besides the tactical side of it, like you have to manage massive egos. You have to manage like big players who've had big managers before. They don't know how to do that, you know? Yeah, but like, quite, so like, but by that comparison, is Zinedine Zidane, was, was he not cut out for that? Because like he, that's the same, that's basically the flagship for what all these other clubs are doing. They were like, let's get a guy that's got a big star, you know, mantra behind him that the locker room is going to back and like take him out and like, and put him on display and and have the club look up to him. So, you know, what separates Zidane? I mean, from either of your opinion on this one, what separates Zidane from like the other maestros that are taking over, you know, the talent available to him. At the time he took over, I think it was timing for Zidane. Like he had, I mean, look at the team he had, right? Same thing with Pep. When Pep took over Barcelona, like just look at the talent he had. I think some of the talent like overshadowed like the manager's like inabilities. But then like them winning bought him more time. Like Zidane winning that first trophy is okay. You have a little bit more time. And then he kind of gets to work. And I think also Zidane is like, Zidane Zidane. Like he's, he's an- <laughs> He's an icon, you know what I mean? So, like, Zidane telling Ronaldo to rest is, like, probably is going to be different than, like, somebody else telling Ronaldo to, like, you know what I mean? It's because, like, he has their respect around the club. And he'd been around the club long enough where, like, people kind of knew. Um, Lampard wasn't around Chelsea. He went to Derby for a little bit and then he came back, right? Like, Arteta went to City for a while and then came back. So, it's like, you know, Arteta's not really, is he an Arsenal legend? No. You know, but he's an ex-player for the club. You know what I mean? So, like, I think that's what makes Zidane different is just, I don't know, Zidane's... You know, I I also think it might work out well for some people. Like, you know, so let me point a finger to what happened with Jose Mourinho at uh, Manchester United, right? So Mourinho, very, you know, old school coach in the way that he's he's no BS with his players. You know, he's he lets you know out of the gate how he feels about you, right? And he takes these players and he's like, and he had a he had a fa- uh, not a famous quote, but a quote that was that circulated really heavily on social media, which was, "I yell at Deli Alley, and he's like upset with me." You know, I yell I yell at Frank Lampard at 23. He was a man already. You know, like so. It's just I also feel like there might be a disconnect where you know so, you know sometimes I, I don't know how to phrase this. You know, how, sometimes you know the student becomes the master in, in the way that you know. Frank might be trying things in the Chelsea locker room that he learned from his coaches and that he learned from Jose and it might not be sticking. And whereas you bring up a really good point where it's not even the talent that Zidane had at Madrid, it's kind of just the experience too. Cause you know, 
Kai Havertz is obviously a really talented player. You know, we're all taking turns, like taking knocks at him, but he's obviously a talented player and he'll have a great career, but he's 20. Whereas, you know, you had established professionals like Luka Mordic that he was taking the helm on that appreciated what it meant. So there might be some, it might not even just be the manager and experience, right? Like it might also be the player and experience not appreciating things, you know? And another point to that is I think we're also seeing a shift in like where players have more power now than they ever have. Right. You know, it's, you know, Wenger talked about this in his book a little bit, like back in the day, you, you call a player, like, y'all want to sign you, like it's him and maybe his like father or something like that. Right. And you bring him to the club and then you kind of mentor the player more than coach the player. Right. But now it's like each player, look at Deli Alley, right. He's got agents, multiple agents. He's probably got a brand. He's got like all these different people that are in his corner. So it's not just the player you're talking to. It's like now he has four, five, six people that are telling him, oh, well, fuck your coach. What does he know? But da, 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 da. As right. opposed to now, you know, players say, oh, you know, they, want, they don't want to play. They act a certain way because, again, they have, you know, sometimes most of these players have more followers on Instagram than their clubs do. Yeah. <laughs> like, and you look at that and you go like, man, what the fuck are you going to tell me about X, Y, and Z? Like, because, again, <laughs> these guys know they can just, like, they can force to move to another club and, like, another club or whatever the case is. Or they can act a certain way, get a coach fired or whatever, they, you know. So I think now is also diff- slightly different from, like, before where these coaches, like, you know, you're talking to a player a certain way. And I think also Jose had his own, like, style of players that he liked. Like, he had players that he could talk, say anything to talk to them crazy. And because of, like, their upbringing or their personality, like, they respond favorably to that. Versus now, like, certain players, like, you need to sort of coddle them in a way and be nicer to them. And, like, that's how you get the best out of them. And Josie's not that type of manager. Maybe Frank's trying that with like a young player like Kai Havertz or whatever, and they don't respond to that. He doesn't understand that like he needs to try something different with that particular player. For sure. And then we got Marcin here because Marcin loves the Jose Mourinho vibe. We've been watching that Spurs documentary yeah, the but- entire time it's been out. <laughs> yeah, Jose is my boy. And yeah, I, I mean, from your point, like he just, he just so, like no bullshit with his players. Like when when. <laughs> We're talking about Harry Kane. He's like, I will make you the best player in the world. And I'm like, yes, Joe, like, do it. <laughs> I, I, I was like so pumped up like for like Harry Kane. I was like, yes, he's got Jose Mourinho like in his corner. Like, but yeah, like Jose is an awesome coach. Like I'm, I'm all hyped about it. I, I honestly, I hope Tottenham just like crush it this year and just like win a title and like everybody gets off like both him and the <laughs> Ebon's coach. face right now. That's so funny. <laughs> I where Tottenham wins the Premier League title, for, personally. But I will say this, like, as a, I forget, like, the Arsenal-Spurs like, rivalry for a second. Like, as a fan of the game, watching Harry Kane and what Son are doing right now is absolutely Because I feel like we've, we've kind of gone away from this, like, you know, strike partnership thing for a while. Like, it's been like you have one person that's a focal point or, like, whatever else. But, like, now you're getting back to that, like, classic, like, two dudes who are just, like, what? He has, well, Kane has, what, eight assists and then ten goals and, like, Son has, like, the reverse, whatever it is. Like, they're just virtually unplayable right now and i love that and i think jose is the perfect personality to get the best out of both of those guys you know what i mean and most of his team like you can tell the kind of player that like jose likes and like all those first players like are responding to his style of coaching whereas like some players would not would not respond well to like that's why deli is not in the team you can tell deli ali's soft great player but he's soft <laughs> Like, if you, if you criticize him, he's not going to, like, respond favorably to that kind of criticism. Whereas someone like a Drogba, you know, Lampard, all those guys, like, you know, like, they respond to that. Look at all the players that Mourinho let go of. You know, great players. De Bruyne, Salah, all these guys who have, like, performed at other clubs now, 
you can tell like their the, the managers that they they thrive under have a slightly more like big brother like dad like like you know think look look at the way Klopp treats his players versus the way Mourinho talks to his players completely different you know what I mean <laughs> and like certain players thrive under certain styles of coaching versus others and I think just like Spurs right now just that that perfect they got it right you know what I mean like they 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 got it right unfortunately um <laughs> so we'll see how it plays out the question is now do arsenal have it right obviously we've kind of chatted about roman about juve for a little bit and i kind of want to get your take and kind of your thoughts now on arsenal obviously they've been in a little bit of a good run of form right now so playing a little bit better moving up the table a little bit but are they do you think overall with arteta as as the manager are they in good hands uh moving forward or is this just like a, a good run of form that they're on what are your thoughts on arsenal moving forward right now i think it's too early to say um i think just have i've criticized the other managers for being inexperienced i think he has the same issue as well um i think at least he has a very clear sense of like what it's going to take to be successful under him, right? So the, he's communicated that to the players. I think he's, he does that well, right? He knows, okay, com- absolute commitment. If you're not committed, you don't play. Everyone gets a chance fairly. Like all those things I think matter. Um, I don't think he has the talent that is gonna be able to play the way he wants us to play, right? Right now, um, and that's gonna take a couple more windows for that to materialize. Um, I think when I look back on the games we didn't win, um, I think some of those games was down to like a lack of discipline, right? Like the red cards was just too many red cards. You know what I mean? And uh, obviously some players getting COVID or whatever the case may be. But the only thing that's different now is we dropped Willian, right? And I think signing Willian was a mistake. Um, so dropping him, getting Sock on the right wing, and then getting ESR um, in, that, in that 10 role, right? Because I think Arsenal, as a club, the way we would like to play, we always thrive with the number 10 in there. Obviously, Ozil did really well for us for a few seasons. Um, and I think now ESR, like he's he obviously still really young, but like he's a baller. Like he can just tell he knows how to play and get things ticking. You know, the second goal we scored against West Brom, we haven't scored a goal like that in a year or two, maybe. You know what I mean? Where like just that like, goal was art passing back, like that's Wenger ball right there, right? So I think the pieces are there for Arteta. I think like we're starting to see it in different ways, but like you know, it's really worrying that we went seven or eight games without winning a game, and then without even scoring in most of those games, right? So I think. Um, that, that concerns me, but I think he's, you know, he deserves some time because I think he's, he's been very clear about what his ideas are. And I think he's communicated that to the player. Like you can see that on the pitch. It's frustrating when it doesn't come off, but you can see like he has a clear idea of what he wants to do. And, um, you know, even him sticking with the same lineup for a while, like at least you can tell, okay, he knows. If I have a best 11 and they perform, like, I'm going to stick with these guys, which I think every club needs, right? But then, obviously, they were in performance. He had to switch things up. And now that it's working, I hope he kind of keeps giving ESR a chance, soccer on the right wing versus on the left, right? So I think he's learning to adapt to the role. And we'll, we'll see at the end of the season what, how things play out. But I think, you know, those last seven games we didn't win, like, it's going to bite us in the ass, you know, come, come May. So where, where does Arsenal finish at the end of the season? We got it. Seventh, I think. Sixth or seventh, so fighting for those Europa League spots for next year. Yeah, uh, this is definitely not a top four season for us. You think that the team would be better off kind of focusing their roster for the Europa League and trying to win entry back in the Champions League going that route? 
Yes. Okay. So I'm, we're gonna we're gonna book right now. it now. We we're close with that. What's his name? Emery's last season, right? We lost to Chelsea. That was just a shit show of a game. <laughs> I think we, I think Arsenal is capable of winning the Europa League for sure. Like we have the pieces right now to do th- to do so. Um, but yeah, man, the league's the league's finished, bro. Like I don't. It's like you can't lose eight games by December and expect to <laughs> be anywhere near the top come May. Like I just, I just don't see because we're, we're right. We're gonna lose more games, so so we're probably gonna end up losing twelve to fifteen games, being conservative. I think. Right, you're not going to end up in top four, or maybe even top six, losing 15 games. Like that's just not going to happen. All right. So I think we've chatted enough about our clubs. I think we've chatted enough about, uh, in general, the EPL because I think this was a very EPL heavy first half of this Seriously, episode. Like, who are we? Little <laughs> podcast like vibe that we give out. But I want to go over one quick little topic I want to chat about before we kind of switch it over to, of course, our esteemed guest and his company. Um, I want to talk about the whole Lionel Messi situation going on right now, because if you haven't heard, Lionel Messi is obviously in his last six months of his contract. So now any team outside of Spain can negotiate a contract with him, which obviously puts on a lot of teams on alert. And by a lot of teams, I mean like six teams that can realistically afford probably his wages. So let's be real. Um, We're like... Three or four. <laughs> it's PSG, City, Bayern, maybe. Who else? I think Inter and Juve, if they got rid of one piece or two piece, obviously there. And I think Chelsea get a form too. Abramovich open up, opens up that checkbook, yo. You can see you can see Messi added to that whole attack lineup too. Yeah, imagine you're Messi and you go to Chelsea and Frank Lampard's trying to tell you what to do. And you're like, yo, I've nutmegged you like six times like when we played, bro. Like, stop trying to tell me how to play. (laughs) Yeah. That's one player where the young coach will not work out. He'll be like, I've insulted all of you on the pitch. Like, don't even try this. (laughs) But where where does he end up? That's the biggest question. Do you think he's going to, this is just like a giant ploy for him to get a, a big pay raise out of Barca or does he actually leave in these six months? Because I'm honestly just thinking that this is just a big giant hoopla to get whatever kind of coach he wants, get whatever present he wants, and then just get a pay raise out of Barca. I think he's just going to end up staying at the club for the next few years and then retire here. But I mean, obviously I could be wrong. So what do you guys think? Dude, like... My instinct is, is is what you're saying in terms of, like, he's just going to, like, stay because, right, like, you know, no one has scored more goals for a single club. Like, it would just be, like, such a great story for his career if he just finishes at Barca, right? You know, you, you, you just die a legend, you know, like, you die a Barcelona legend, right? He'll be the last player to do that. But then he might look at someone like Ronaldo and go, okay, like, can I do it somewhere else? And I think for me, if he does go somewhere else, I think it's, it's going to be City. From like a financial like resources standpoint, but also from a coaching standpoint, right? Like I think he would want to work with Pep Guardiola again. He won a bunch of stuff with Pep. It'd be great to see him in the Premier League. I think he, even he would want that challenge of the Premier League. Um, so I think City would probably be the place that makes the most sense for him to go. Now, question is, what his what does he want? Like if he wants to just like okay, let me just like play the next few years, make a bunch of money, and just not worry about getting hurt or whatever, then you know, Serie A makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, Premier League doesn't make sense for him to come to to, to retire because... He's going to get bodied every week. Absolutely. <laughs> like, week in, week out, for sure. So, 
Yeah, I think if he goes, he goes to City. I think if he goes, he's definitely City. I could, re- I could really see him com- coming up and forming that little tandem with Neymar at PSG. Though I can, I can so see it in six months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, PSG's gonna if they offer him the, a contract, they're gonna unload the whole truck to sign Messi. Even if Mbappe goes or if Neymar goes, I, I'd one hundred percent guarantee that they're gonna pull out all the money to sign Messi in six months, if not already. <laughs> So does that make them automatic contenders for the Champions League, though, if they sign Messi? That's I think they're that's already what they've signed all these guys. Huh? They're already they're already contenders for the Champions League. I mean, they were finalists last year. They have the squad right now. Mbappe and Neymar like are, are arguably the deadliest like one-two punch in all of football. I mean, they they have I think they have the pieces now to win a Champions League. But if they get Messi, dude, like that's that's unreal. That's that attack with Neymar and Mbappe and Messi. If they could hold all three. Whew. But can they though? If they get messy, can they afford to hold right. off? That's, I don't think so. I don't uh, think so. They'd have to sell either Neymar or Mbappe to get Messi onto the wage book. Unless unless the president of PSG is just like, fuck it, let's just let's just bankroll this like into the ground and they sign all three. But I, I can't see it. From a financial fair play perspective, I just can't see it. Yeah, I don't that is yeah, that's yeah. That yeah, that's I mean <laughs> that's like you know, legit FIFA. <laughs> uh you know, it Mbappe, part of me, all right, so Mbappe's in contract until, so he's in contract until the 2022 season ends, mm-hmm. right? Um, like, what if he just left for free? Like, I just thought about that the other day. I was like, what if, what if he really just turned around and was like, thanks for the memories. I'm going to Real for free and I'll catch you guys later. Cause like, there's nothing they could do at that point. Like, what do you, you know, so anyway, that was just something that PSG was, but <laughs> that would be nuts. That would just be absolute. Like, I would fire every board member. I would fire <laughs> every executive. You let Mbappe leave for free. The You're next, like, how didn't you know about this? Bug his house. <laughs> like one of two, one of two like generational talents playing football right now. No, I would. Yeah, everyone's getting fired. Hell no. <laughs> you sell them for top dollar, and you say thanks for your services, but we need that money. Yeah, <laughs> bro, that's what. That's easy. One hundred eighty million. Yeah, <laughs> but how funny was like, like funny because none of us support PSG. Like, if you're a PSG fan, that's like the worst case scenario. Yeah, just, just let Mbappe go for free. Like, oh my god, no! But I gotta say, I really think Messi is, you know, fed up with life at Barcelona, and mm-hmm. you know he might be coming to the realization that they just don't have the pieces in place to go on a Champions League run and win it. You know, he when he won the Champions League last, I mean. I, believe that was the last time they had Neymar and Suarez alongside him and they were just untouchable as a team and that's the kind of chemistry you need you know like Bayern Munich won because Bayern Munich is just a powerhouse of a team from start to finish you know there's nothing you're you know those guys do not skip leg day like there's nothing you're getting past them like it is it is curtains for you if you get into a 50-50 with one of them you know and so I don't think Barca has that anymore and I think Messi realizes that so I could see him going to Man City under Pep specifically because who's challenging him for the right wing position because that's really where he's playing now, right? So if he gets put on the right wing, you know, he's chal- like Riyad Mahrez is starting on that wing at this point. Sterling's in and out of the team and he usually plays on the left. And, you know, Aguero is there and might be out of contract at the end of the season. I, I don't recall how long he has left. But I think Manchester City is a, a logical destination for him because of the fact that he'll have Pep there. They beat their UEFA ban. 
Uh, so they're not, you know, barred from any UCL competition. And if you look at if you look at any other club, you know, Juve probably not in a financial situation where they can afford him right now, unless they move a couple pieces, like Marcin said. You know, um, do I fantasize about having him at Roma? Absolutely, uh, because he took a picture with Totti, and that's all the transfer confirmation you need. Like he's a huge Totti fan, and the ten kid is open for you. Just come through, you know, Totti pick you up at the airport, nice and easy, no problem. But you know, my, that's the only pitch I have for the guy. Like aside from that, like we can't even afford his wages. So like, <laughs> it's got to be, it's got to be City. I don't think he'll go to PSG because, like. It just doesn't seem like a logical route for him. So it's either it's Man City or bust, you know? It's either going to be Man City, they bring him in, and he tries to win another UCL before he retires, or he stays at Barca, gets a little pay raise, and, you know, retires in Argentina. And when I say retires, I mean plays in the Argentina league because, honestly, he could play in there until he's, like, 45 and probably still break ankles. <laughs> yeah. That's, I think that's what's going to happen. It's one of those that's it. Yeah. The football right, so world is on its feet, waiting. <laughs> we're gonna take some bets after this podcast over. We're gonna we're gonna see what happens at the end of the season. But now, since uh, we have been ranting for almost an hour now, so I, I do want to get. <laughs> we always say we're gonna keep this podcast to like forty-five to an hour, and then we're like forty-eight minutes in, we're like, we're it's not no even problem. Gonna... We're still on track. We got this. Don't worry. We got. This. But what I'd obviously like to talk about is obviously Ibun has obviously LBF Liberty Football. Um, and I kind of wanted to get a couple questions answered um, by you about the brand in general. Uh, first, I obviously I wanted to ask you, what do you have in store for us for 2021 with the brand? Like, what are your plans? What are your visions? Any any sneak peeks you can tell us about what you're working on for for the new year? Yeah, yeah. So, so t- 2021 marks our is going to be our 10 year anniversary of the brand, um, which I think is quite a, a remarkable feat considering that we're like fully independent, right? Just like all grind, all hustle. Um, so we're going to do like a few like commemorative, I guess, like anniversary like collections. Um, so there will be like exclusive pieces for like just diehard advocates of the brand, like people who've been, you know, just been rocking with this, you know. Then there's also just going to be stuff that's like celebrating the 10 years. But the, the main thing we're going to put together is like this like coffee table book um, about the brand over the last 10 years with interviews from like people who've helped the brand grow, like important customers just sort of like i'll write about different like events that happen in the brand's history collaborations all that kind of fun stuff so we can nice so at the end of the year we'll have like this nice coffee table book so that's really like the main um piece that's different from that from what we it's not clothing but it's something that i think would be great for people to have um gonna launch our women's and kids line this year which we're really excited about um everything's kind of been unisex so far but you know, we're gonna, we have like, we just recently hired like a female designer who's really talented out of college. So um, she's gonna be developing like our women's line. So that's one thing I'm really excited about. Kids lines coming as well. A lot of our customers are like, yo, where's, when can I get a matching hoodie for, my, for, for me and my kids? So uh, we're gonna work on that as well. So just, that's just kind of a couple of things that we have in the works right now um, for the year. Any, any fun designs you got coming up? Too many, bro. Too many. I know you're, you're asking about a particular one. Uh, <laughs> that, that one's definitely coming as well. Um, the thing is, it's tough because we have, I don't know, we have like 100 plus designs just like in the, you know, just in the back burner that we just haven't dropped for whatever reason. Um, so we'll try to find some space for that stuff this year. Because really, last year was obviously coronavirus, like changed a lot of our plans. But 
the one thing that worked really well was that we switched like a weekly drop format. Um, so for you guys, you guys see us drop new stuff every week. But for us, it's like we've already designed and developed and like manufactured everything at once. And we just kind of like put it out once a week. Um, so we're going to be doing more weekly drops like that this year, probably starting around like March. Um, so like from March on, almost every week from that point on, we'll have like new stuff. Um, Great, my, my wallet's going to be empty by the end of like April. <laughs> yeah. So it's, um, yeah, we got a lot of fun, fun stuff planned. It's just really just trying to like get everyone on, on board in terms of like, um, right, when you grow really fast, it's kind of like you have to, it takes a while to kind of catch up, get up to speed with this new level, like the new demand on, on everyone's time and everyone's like resources. So um, we're going to spend this, this first month kind of like getting everything dialed up. You know, I think production was the biggest challenge last year was like, you know, it would take four or five months to get stuff in, which would take usually take two months before, you know, because of COVID. So like, it's just trying to like get everything um, back up and running. So yeah, man, that's kind of some of what we have coming. Um, but from like a design perspective, we're going to start like really trying new things out. You know, last year was all about colors, like because before everything was like black, gray, navy, sort of very like monochromatic colors. Not last year we were like pinks, greens, mints, blues, all that sort of fun stuff. Um, so we're going to kind of keep going more with in that direction, but also try and do things out with graphics, new patterns, and you know we have a really exciting collaboration that I can't talk about yet. But um, it's going to be it's not a club, but it's going to be pretty, I think, pretty pretty big for us. Cool. Well, kind of keeping in line what you just said about some of the issues you had over the last year in terms of production, all that kind of stuff. I want to ask you, what what kind of advice would you give somebody that's, you know, either on the fence about starting their own brand or has some questions about what, how to, like, you know, get stuff going with, with their own brand? Like, what, what kind of advice would you give somebody that's just, you know, starting out? Um, I think the very first thing I'd say is kind of have, like, a vision for what you want the brand to be right um and then who your ideal customer is or are like your customers are like what that person like is you know um like that has to be sort of like crystal clear in your mind right because then that is going to inform all the decisions you make early on in the brand and that's going to determine where how your brand like is received or like ad adopted by the marketplace because right now that's the reality is it's like a ton of people are doing merch, a ton of people have brands, like every influencer like wants to have their own brand, all that. So I think there's just so much noise in the space that like to really cut through, you kind of have to have like a very specific aesthetic or very specific direction and not compromise on that vision. Right. Um, like, you know, when we started, there was not, there's maybe two other like soccer lifestyle brands, which don't really exist anymore, but now there's a ton, right? There's, everyone's just like making their own, like every, Every other week, I have someone in my DMs asking me, like, oh, I want to start my own soccer brand. Can you help me? I'm like, bro, like, why would I do that? You know what I mean? <laughs> but um, it's just like, there's more and more people. Can like, you help me take money out of your pocket, please? <laughs> um, but it's just like, it just shows that, like, there's a lot of interest in the space. Um, so, yeah, my advice would just be, like, have a very clear vision, very clear direction of what you want to do. Because that's really going to help you in terms of, like, zeroing in on who your customer is. Like, for us, like, our customers, like, the diehard, like you guys, right? You guys live and breathe football. Like we just spent an hour talking about different like things in soccer, right? And only now we're talking about like the actual lifestyle part of the, the sport. You know what I mean? So like right, it's people right. like you would make the So like if you watch the World Cup every four years, or, like you play soccer in high school, like LBF is not really for you. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. and that's that's okay. Like there's probably like another brand out there like that's more 
for the generic soccer fan or like the, you know what I mean? And like, that's okay. But like our thing is like super diehard and super obsessive people. Um, and that's kind of how we were able to, to build a brand. So I was, that'd be my main advice. Just find like your tribe, find your people that, you know, are going to obsess over your products. Like Marston obsesses over ours, you know? <laughs> that's why I said, once you start dropping stuff in March, like by the end of April, like I'm just going to be cleaned out. Like it's going to be wrapped. That's kind of like part of the, the, the appeal of LBF is that like, we try to make things that we know, okay, you're going to want to buy everything. Yep. Right? You know what I mean? That's a very hard thing to do, but it's just like, okay, like, man, wow, that's, wow, that's also dope, right? And, like, we, we want to make sure, like, because then that way, like, people, you have a good feeling towards the brand. You know, okay, like, these guys are always going to make quality stuff, like, and I'll, I'll get to pick what I want, but I'll be sad because I can't maybe, like, I can't afford to buy everything I want. Or if I can't, I will buy everything, you know, as opposed to like this one fire piece in the rest of the collection sucks. Like I don't really want to do stuff like that, you know? No, I totally get you. So I totally understand that. Tim, do you have any questions about LBF for our esteemed guests tonight? Uh, uh, it's hard to it's, say, you know? Yeah. Um, let's, see. let's see. No, I don't, I don't think I really have anything. I keep, uh, you know, I hear myself from time to time, but um you know that's uh i don't i don't think i have any questions because i you just can't question excellence so it's just really hard to come up with anything that was uh you know that that comes out of it well you know i you know ebon's really cool and i i like i would never you know like i love people who put passion into things and it's like obviously that's there and then, like, anytime you unpackage anything from the site, it's just, like, pure happiness. So it's, like, clearly it's, like, a positive influence out there. So, like, just tell, like, I don't have anything to question-wise. I just, like, anybody who hasn't bought something, like, go get involved. Like, go, like, I would curse right now, but I try not to, like, on the podcast. But, like, just go freaking buy something. Like, you know, just, like, go, have, like, knock yourself out. It's, like, it's good stuff. Like, so just, that's all I have to say about LBF. <laughs> Yeah. Wow, that's that's a cool review. That's the best review ever we've ever we've ever gotten. Uh, I think it's like with everything else. It's like you know I want to be put my best foot forward. You know I want to make sure that we're because you guys like you guys everyone works hard. You earn your money and like you know you can choose to buy from any brand, right? LBF, Nike, Adidas, Puma, whoever else, right? And like if you're choosing to spend your money with us, you know I want to make sure for damn sure that like you feel like that was a hundred bucks, whatever, well spent. And you feel like, you know, you'd want to come back again because you don't have to, you don't have to buy from us. Right. There's, you know, it's not like we sell like some things that like you absolutely need to live. We just sell like really cool. <laughs> clothes, right. And it's like, if you want to buy, it depends on who you ask. No? <laughs> right. But like, I'll, like if you're going to buy, if you're going to buy this hoodie, you feel like, man, this is going to be my favorite hoodie. You know, this is going to be my favorite pair of pants or my favorite t-shirt, my favorite socks or whatever. Like that's really kind of what drives a lot of what we do. So, yeah, man, I just want to make sure that people feel happy about the brand and they feel connected to it. Dope. Well, thank you for chatting a little bit about the brand. I'm just going to pass it off to Tim to finish us up with the culture section of the podcast for today. Okay, so we had some real deep, thought-provoking stuff for culture, and we're going to save that for next episode. So instead, I'm going to give you the good, the bad, and the ugly. Okay, so we're going to end culture on good, bad, and ugly. So, of course, if you need good, if you need some kind of establishment in the world that there is good out there and there are good people doing good things with the money that they have. You need to look no further than young Marcus Rashford from Manchester United, who obviously 
whatever sports personality award there is for 2020, if this young man does not take all of them across the board, it should be considered a travesty because basically England, and I'm paraphrasing entirely here, England decided that it was a good idea to cut food benefits to a lot of young at-risk children inside their country uh, once the COVID uh, virus hit. And instead of trying to find some kind of support program or something along those lines, uh, they said, yeah, you know, we really just don't have a lot of funding for it. And Marcus Rashford said, well, I think that's ridiculous and I'm going to get involved. So this young man called restaurants. This young man called everybody that he could to establish food banks, to establish uh, you know, meetings with government to get these benefits reinstated for these young children in the UK. So the fact of the matter is, if you do need some positive to take from 2020 that just concluded, you can look no further than that young man, Marcus Rashford, who made a huge impact in the community, not just in his own little community, but he made the world a better place uh, by being involved. So despite the fact there are no Manchester United fans on this podcast we do not need to be Manchester United fans to take a quick round of applause for that young man and call it a day. So the bad, right? So the bad is going to be um, involving Reese James and in full discretion, Reese James did nothing bad. Uh, <laughs> Reese James actually was also trying to do some good. So the bad is that Reese James uh, was going to a charity event where he bought a bunch of presents for some at-risk children in the UK and the bad is not that he decided to try to make these kids' lives better, but the bad is that some Grinch decided, and I use Grinch because we try not to use profanity on this podcast, uh, some Grinch decided to break his back window and steal all the presents out of his car. And unfortunately, uh, there was no happy ending on the end of that one. Uh, there was no heart growing three times the size that it usually was. This person just decided to keep all the gifts and cancel Christmas for a bunch of at-risk kids. So if for some reason or another, you're listening to this podcast, just know that the world knows what you did and you're a horrible human being and I hope it was worth whatever Xbox that you decided to grab out of the back of that car. Uh, so the ugly is open-ended. So the ugly is open-ended and we're going to go with Ebon first because he actually brought a really funny one up. So Ebon, why don't you go ahead and share that for us real quick? Well, the ugly was um, Neymar's New Year's um, New Year's <laughs> outfit. Oh my God! What? Can they see video on this podcast? Or are you gonna like post? There it? is no video, but you could describe it in great detail with uh, your adjectives. <laughs> so imagine um, like an aluminum foil-looking outfit. Have like it's like combat pants with like pockets, but like made out of aluminum foil with like crocodile skin. Yeah, and then he got, you know, he always wears those, like, fedoras. And he's like, there's no shirt underneath. It's just, like, bare-chested suit with tassels. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's a mistake. Like, it's a, it's a mistake. Like, this entire outfit was a mistake. And I just, I, I, hope, he, I hope he was happy, and I hope he has a great year. But, yeah, this was, this is, a, this is ugly. Like, I, I really wish I hadn't seen this photo. <laughs> 2020 really got like one more thing in on anybody. It's just like, here's this horrible outfit you have to bear witness to now. It's like, we, we have a, okay, you know, I love fashion and all this. So like, there's like, usually if you have a bad outfit, there's like one thing that kind of throws it off. This entire thing is just sort of mistake after the other. The hat is a mistake. 
the suit's a mistake, the shoes, and then like just the bare chestedness is like, bro, like you are an elite athlete with no six pack. Like, bro, what is going on? But look, if he's happy, you know what I'm saying? It's 2021, positive vibes, everything. If he's happy, if this outfit made him happy, you know, he's with his family, it's great, he's with his kid, it's awesome. So, yeah, I don't, I think it's just worse because like, everyone else is wearing like shorts and like Yeezys and like a t shirt. It's like very casual vibes, you know? Like, this is like right. a house problem. And it's just, he's just, he's just like a disco ball. Yeah, exactly. That's a, yeah, this is not. Nice. All right, Marcin, what do you got? I'm going to go something also fashion related. I think this is something we talked about on our last episode, and that was Antoine Griezmann's hair from two weeks ago. <laughs> you guys are just violating these superstar athletes. I don't care. Yo, there's no, absolutely no reason why somebody like Antoine Griezmann needs to have twin pigtail braids when they're 29 years old. Like, that's absolutely unnecessary. I'm 29. I, I don't, I'm not considering getting pigtail braids. Like, come on. But yeah, this was like from a photo posted on December 17th, so right around Christmas. I think we talked about this on the on the pre-holiday episode. But yeah, come on, man. Like you don't need you don't need braids, you don't need pigtails <laughs> like when you're 29, like anything else, just like literally anything else for like I I wouldn't care if you dyed his hair like yellow, like <laughs> something different. But yeah, that's my that's my ugly for uh, for this episode. Griezmann is that dude that like that white boy that like hung out with black kids and just thought he had to do certain things, but like he didn't really have to. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's that's Antoine Griezmann. Like, he comes out with like, a rag and some like like in one day in one day from these games. Like I'm not gonna be surprised at all. I'm mean, like somebody told him to try it. Like I know it. Yeah, this is like Umtiti was in his ear. Like yo, you should try it. It might look cool. And then he's no, like, Umtiti was definitely in his ear. Like bro, cut your hair, please. <laughs> like you're my friend. I care about you. Like can you just not do this? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, I'm not, after the whole blackface thing he did, I, I'm really not surprised that he's walking around here with braids looking like, yeah, nah, this is. All right, so, guys, I actually, I really need both your advice on mine because I'm torn between two things, okay? So the first one is uh, Unisport's 25 pair release of their 25 anniversary because uh, I thought those were pretty ugly, and we discussed this before the podcast started. Um, I'm really sorry to Unisport. They're cool people. J Mike's a cool guy, but um, those were not it uh, by definition. Um, so that's my that's my one candidate, and my second candidate is um, West Brom's play style. So that was going to be my next <laughs> ugly thing because <laughs> that is the most awful non-possession based, least entertaining side I have ever watched in my life. And uh, if they got relegated, it would be too soon. Uh, so I got like I need two cents. Like, wh- which way am I leaning? One or the other? Here's my here's my my two cents on it. I'm going with the boots because I can always turn off the TV if I'm watching West Brom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you, like you can just click the power button and then you don't have to watch it anymore. Uh, what do you think, Ivan? Yeah, I'm going. With, I'm going with the. Yeah, I'm going with the West Brom. <laughs> All right, so we're torn. So, like, we it's just because it's facts. I mean, you could return the cleats and you just can't unwatch the time that you spend watching your team trying to break West Brom down. <laughs> uh, right. But I'm going to throw it to Marcin. That was our lighthearted review, uh, besides Antoine Griezmann's blackface, uh, that we finished up with this episode. Uh, and it is a pleasure, as always, to bring you the good, the bad, and the ugly in football. All right.
And we're gonna we're gonna wrap up this episode real quick. So I'm gonna kick it off um, to Tim and then to Ebo and just to for you guys to sign yourselves out. Just let everybody know where you guys can be follow that on your social media platforms. Um, so Tim, sign us out like always. As always, happy to talk to everybody. Happy to be here. Ask me questions on Twitter because I get bored sometimes. I'm at Footy Kuji on Twitter and love talking roma follower account went up recently humble brag to myself i got a whole 10 new followers so you just watch out for me because i'm coming in 2021 uh but that is it from me and uh over to Yvon. yo guys thank you for having me on it's always a blast to talk football with you guys boots culture lifestyle everything um i'm at mrlbf mr lbf on instagram twitter all that good stuff uh yeah man i'm excited for 2021 you know 2021 was a, 2020 was a crazy year so i'm ready for a new yeah, year so 2021 is going to be a crazy year but in a good way we're going to see more more yeah. good football fun collabs from lbf we're going to have you on the pod for sure back again for another one i 100 guarantee it but obviously i just want to sign up for all of us thank you guys for listening to this episode i want to thank obviously our guests for for jumping on tonight uh follow us at Toppins talk underscore on twitter Toppins talk on Instagram, you can follow me personally at PLUVentino on uh, Twitter to get all my banter and all my fun, fun, fun little uh, tweets, and you can read them all. Uh, but once again, thank you guys for, for joining us for this episode, listening in. Uh, until the next one, thanks, guys. Peace. Peace. Later.